Hello and welcome to Raven Conversations, the show where we bring you the news and information around the Washington National Guard. I'm Sarah Morris, and on today's episode, I sit down with Angela Taylor and Sergeant First Class Sarah Cowart to talk about Sexual Assault Awareness and Prevention Month. We give an overview as to what a sexual assault response coordinator does, what a victim advocate does, and some other issues that come up outside the realm of the annual training requirements completed by most soldiers. I hope you find this podcast informative, and if you need to use any of these resources, please check out the show notes for more information. Be sure to follow us on social media. Stay up to date on all the cool events, stories, photos, and videos happening around the Washington National Guard. If you have a question, have a comment, or just want to say hi, send us a DM, PM, tweet at us, whatever, and we'll answer you. We also love to share and collaborate. Send us the photos or videos you take at Drill or AT, and we'll tag you. Are you an active Instagrammer? Well, you might be a perfect candidate to take over our account. Send us a message, and we'll set something up. To find us, do a search for WA National Guard. That's WA National Guard, and look for the blue check mark. Good afternoon. Um, this is Sarah, and today I'm joined by Angela Taylor, and she's one of our state sexual assault response coordinators, and Sergeant First Class Sarah Cowart, who is a SARC for one of our units. And if you want to just go ahead and introduce yourself. All right. Good afternoon. Um, Angela Taylor, like you said, I'm actually the, the state program manager, so I run the program for the entire state for Army. Um, I'm partnered by our two wings, both have SARCs as well, program managers. Um, I've done this program now for the Army for 12 years and over 20 years in sexual assault advocacy of some sort. So um, I was previously with the Guard and I spent the last um, six years in Europe. And so I saw the opportunity to come back to Washington and I was thrilled that I had I was given that chance. Okay. This is Sergeant First Class Sarah Cowart. I am the 81st Brigade SARC. I have been in the program for a little over five years doing victim advocacy. I became the Brigade SARC when I came back to the Brigade in April of 2019. I am currently at Fort Bliss getting ready to head to Ukraine where I would be for about a year or less, God willing. Um, I have been doing this program, like I said, for a little over five years. I love being a victim advocate, and it really allows us as victim advocates to see both sides of the program as a soldier and also as an advocate for the program. Great. So April is Sexual Assault Awareness and Prevention Month, and uh, we're going to be releasing this podcast during the month of April. So um, if Angela, if you want to talk about what the Awareness Month um, is, does the history, and then maybe about our general program and resources. Okay. Sexual Assault Awareness and Prevention Month, also known as SAPM, is observed by every April by both civilian and military communities to raise awareness and educate communities on the prevention of sexual violence. The Department of Defense observes SAPR by focusing on creating the appropriate culture to eliminate sexual assault and requiring a personal commitment from all service members. The Department of Defense 2021 SAPM theme is protecting our people protects our mission. 
This theme emphasizes the ethical commitment of each member of the Army family to remain committed to eliminating sexual assault and harassment in our Army. We need to ensure each and every soldier, department, and Army civilian and their family members are treated with dignity and respect. So in the Washington Army National Guard, we've, we're doing uh, this podcast kickoff. We have a virtual 5 or 10K ruck march. Um, we got flyers going all around the camp and the armories, as well as our JSS Facebook page, trying to promote awareness. And um, the ruck kind of symbolizes the weight a victim carries when they're going through this process. Um, we have uh, every Friday, we're going to try on social media to highlight our victim advocates throughout the state. Currently, have 31 victim advocates, and I, we just did the tally, and I was surprised we had so many. That shows your commitment from your fellow service members to someone there to stand by you and support you if you're sexually assaulted. Um, so I know COVID, it's a different environment. Normally, we like to do in person and bring in guest speakers, but we're doing the best I can with the current environment, and we know everyone is tasked right now with all kinds of different missions. So with that in mind, I hope you all still come out and support the event, even virtually, or just stop in on the Facebook page and say hello and that you stand with people, with our survivors and our victims. So our program in the Guard is a little unique in that um, Army has an extra letter in the word SHARP, Sexual Harassment, Assault, Response, and Prevention. The other service branches are SAPR, sexual assault prevention and response. They don't handle the harassment piece. So in the Army Guard, we're the same way. We don't typically handle the harassment piece. That The SEAM or the EOA or EOL will handle the sexual harassment. The one exception to that is in a deployed environment. And I'll let um, Sarah talk about that later. But um, So we are here, 31 advocates. We have a 24-7 hotline. We're here to support our National Guard who are experienced a sexual assault. And for our commands and even our, our, our members, if you aren't sure, you can always call the 24-7 hotline and we can help define that for you. Um, we'll assign a victim advocate. We'll get you the medical care that you need. Um, we'll go over the options. There's two reporting options. The first one is a restrictor report. And in order to maintain a restricted report, you can only disclose to a victim advocate, a SARC, or medical professional. And I like to say there's a fourth one, a chaplain. Um, a chaplain can't disclose that, but they can, you can, they have confidentiality, so you can tell a chaplain, and then they can advise you to go to one of the other three. Um, the other option is an unrestricted report. You can notify your chain of command, victim advocate. Um, SARC. So a lot of the services, um, the initial services are the same. We'll get you medical care, behavioral health. Um, we're going to do our best to make you whole again as much as we can. Um, but with the unrestricted report, command is notified and law enforcement is notified. So with that comes some additional resources. One is a, a protection order if needed for safety reasons, and then um, holding that person accountable. Also, unit transfers. Um, Active Army calls it expedited transfer. That's a little difficult in the Guard, but 
every case I've worked so far, guard leadership has been there and willing to, to support our clients and make those moves as needed. So that's a quick summary of what our program is and how we respond. Great. And then Sarah, if you want to talk about um, SARC and how it differs in the deployed environment as you prepare to go overseas. So getting ready for the deployment, I did have to attend the six-week the six-week course at Fort Leavenworth, Kansas. It was a very in-depth course, but it was beneficial because as victim advocates and sexual assault representatives in the Guard, we don't deal with that sexual harassment piece like Angela spoke of. So it was great to learn what the EO side has to deal with um, as opposed to what we don't deal with in the Guard. And it was really nice to be able to get to work with other people that are about to be brigade SARCs and brigade victim advocates. Some were deploying from other states and some were actual active duty soldiers who are assigned to training sites or medical commands. Um, like I said, six weeks, very intense. Uh, there were a lot of presentations and it really dived deep into everything about the program. It was great being at the schoolhouse that writes the curriculum for the 80 hour course that other victim advocates go through. And you did have tests and you did have oral presentations. It was like going back to college, but you got to stay in a hotel, which was I think the best part of it all. Um, at the end of the six weeks, you have a graduation and you come back, but there's such a wealth of knowledge from actually being able to communicate with the instructors that build what the SHARP program really is based on. Um, and getting to see now what I have to deal with on the sexual harassment side, I'm being honest, I mean, we go through EO classes all the time, but I didn't know that there was still so many little pieces that go with a sexual harassment um, complaint, you know, and just the word complaint being specific to sexual harassment cases. So that was really good to know. And it really allowed me to kind of see what my active duty counterparts have to deal with when they deal with anything under the sharp umbrella. So after the six-week course, you graduate, and then my ASI changed. And when I came back, I had to teach our mobilizing soldiers. We had to have uh, sharp training. And it gave a little more meaning to what the annual refresher training that we do per AR 350-1, because I was able to sort of see how the sexual assault and sexual harassment piece tied in because I was aware of what the sexual harassment piece entailed. So we had the training, which we did have to update in DTMS just so that everyone can have their um, training annotated in there. and I deployed with a brigade headquarters, which, I mean, knowing that we're all senior, mostly senior professionals, I don't foresee us having a lot of issues, but it was really good to be able to be exposed to training so that I'll be a little more prepared to deal with it while we go in a deployed environment. It was also a learning curve because now I have to kind of see um, how the other brand from the other countries that we will be working with while in Ukraine, how they may deal with these things. So having all the tools in my backpack that I would need to communicate with them and to sort of 
learn how their program works, if they even have a program, but at least be able to have a great foundation for our program to stand on. That was the best part of going to the six-week course. That's great information. And then, I mean, as a soldier myself, I've sat through many sharp classes and, and had lots of information thrown at me about victim advocates and SARCs and the different um, responsibilities and resources available. But can um, either of you just talk about maybe information that gets muddled in those classes, information that doesn't get maybe the notice it deserves, and then any anything that you wanna, you wish we knew that we maybe don't know about those resources? I think for me, the biggest thing is a restrictor report. Um, unfortunately, throughout my career, I've seen too many people share details of their assault and to the wrong individual, and that right is taken away from them for that restricted report. So um, I've asked my team to emphasize that this year, that you can tell a SARC, a victim advocate, and medical professional chaplain to maintain that restricted reporting option. Um, it's very difficult to work with a client who feels, you know, the system has failed them when we're doing the best we can within the guidance and regulation that, we, and, you know, they've disclosed to somebody that's not a, a confidant. Um, so I'd say that's the biggest thing. If anything, anyone takes away from training is that. The other thing would be, like I said, we've got a robust program going, 31 people, and they're compassionate, they're trained, they're ready and willing to assist everybody. Every unit, every brigade has at least two people there to assist. And, you know, we're lucky. We also have um, JBLM across the street. We have a safe helpline. If people don't feel like they're comfortable going to their unit rep, they can, they can come to us. They can go to any unit, any victim advocate in any branch of service and get services. So I don't want anyone to feel deterred, like, you know, if they think their SARC or VA is buddies with command, they can go to anyone and have them be their advocate. And then where can they find information on who to, con like who to contact for their specific units, or is there a place where there's a point of contact list that they can go to? Um, they should, I always say call the hotline. Um, our Washington State National Guard hotline is 253-307-6483. Um, the JSS uh, SharePoint GKO also has my contact, um, Angela Taylor, and then our victim advocate coordinator, Mr. Sean Smith, who's lovingly known as Smitty. Um, we can direct in their, in, to their unit victim advocates if they need to. We're also, one of the push for April is we're trying to get everybody to update their SHARP boards and within the, the armories. So hopefully by the end of the month, those contact informations will be up on the walls as well. Great, and I'll add that phone number to our show notes so it will be available uh, when you open this podcast. And then is there anything that we're missing when we get taught about uh, sexual harassment and assault response prevention program? Is there anything you feel like isn't being um, presented properly? And then um, anything you'd like to add for, for closing this out? I do have one thing. Um, it, 
one thing that we don't really highlight a lot in the training, I know we, we address soldiers a lot, but I think that we as sharp professionals can address command teams a little bit better in the sense of we know that commanders care about their soldiers and we know that they want to do whatever is best for them, but understanding that they themselves are not allowed to conduct investigations on their own and they need to, you know, really depend on that trust, build that trust with their victim advocate teams and the sharp professionals that we have so that we can help guide them as well. As much as we are victim advocates and we are there for the victim, our job is also to assist command in doing what is right. You know, and we we always harp on ensuring that the soldiers get trained, but it's really important that commanders are aware that they are required to have a command brief within 30 days of taking command. And that will help them. That will help them be, be better advocates for their soldiers and be better advocates for the program if they are given the opportunity to conduct a training with their victim advocate or with their SARC so that when there are incidents in the unit, they're better prepared to address those incidents. I couldn't have said it any better. Perfect. Yeah, I think that's really important information uh, to understand as as commanders is that you're also there to assist them and advise them. Um, I just like to give you guys the opportunity to add any information we might have missed, um, any information you want to reiterate, uh, anything like that. Good. I'm, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> for me, it's just to remind people to, to ask for help. Be aware of the programs, the resources available. Um, in the community, in the National Guard. Um, be situationally aware, um, not only to increase your individual readiness and re resiliency, but to be a role model within the unit. So if you see behavior that you know is inappropriate and unprofessional for our military force, do something, say something, address it right there on the spot, because left unchecked, someone's feeling that pain. I'm going to give my best tip to stop sexually charged harassment style jokes if you guys don't mind yeah the best Most way because that's the basis right now that's where it all starts actually it all starts right so the best way to stop a conversation with a sexual sexually charged or um actually any kind of joke where the subject matter is uncomfortable is to ask why it's funny to say i don't get it explain it to me. If you ever decide to stand up to people making inappropriate jokes, the best way to do so is to not laugh and tell them, I don't get it. Explain it to me. And I guarantee you, they won't. They will have to admit that what they're saying is improper and inappropriate. And um, I just always want to get that information out because it is a very easy way to respond. It's a very appropriate way to respond when the joking gets to a point that is uncomfortable. So, yeah, very good bystander tactic. It's a very good bystander tactic and I have used it before and it works. 
Awesome. Well, I will put as many resources as I can um, in the show notes so that they're available to everyone who listens to this podcast. And I appreciate you both for taking out the time to